Tonight for our text, we'll look into the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter not, excuse me, chapter 2, and we'll begin at the ninth verse. St. Mark, chapter 2, beginning at the ninth verse. These are the words of Jesus responding to a question of the scribes. He says, Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. This particular account or record is recorded in all three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now Mark sort of stands out. It's, it's the, the shortest of these three Gospels, quite substantially, almost half as many verses as in Matthew and Luke. Now, Mark, he's very action-oriented. He moves quickly from miracle to miracle by the Lord. In fact, you find that he uses the words like immediately, straightly, and forthwith to say the Lord did this, and let's sort of cut to the chase. Then the Lord did this, and a victory was won here. Mark was actually not at these events. Many believe that it was actually Peter who was telling Mark about what he had seen and experienced the Lord do, and then Mark wrote them down, we might say in shorthand, comparatively speaking. So in a sense, some people sort of believe that this is the gospel according to Peter. And we do get a picture of their connection from when we see Mark first mentioned in the Bible in Acts chapter 12, verse 12. It says, and when he had considered the thing, and that's speaking of Peter, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. This is uh, Mark's mother, where many were gathered together praying. Now, this was in the early church. They were having a prayer meeting. And we know that James, the brother of John, at this time, he had been martyred by Herod. And then Peter had been imprisoned. And the Bible says that God sent the angel of the Lord and it even says, who smote Peter on the side as he was in prison and raised them up saying, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And as the account goes, uh, the angel leads Peter out of the jail. And when Peter makes his way out, he finally makes his way to John Mark or Mark's mother's house, Mary. They were surprised to see him, and we know how the account goes, that initially they left him outside as he was knocking on the door. Peter keeps knocking, and of course, ultimately, they are in amazement, and they rejoice for this answer to prayer. So Peter likely knew the family of Mark quite well. Mark was also a cousin of Barnabas of the early church. And Mark, we believe, uh, spent time, according to Acts, with the Apostle Paul traveling and for a time spent time with him and then uh, left for some time and then later rejoined uh, the Apostle Paul. And Paul even refers to Mark as a fellow laborer when he's writing to Philemon. But if we read again back here in, in chapter 2 of Mark, uh, 
It says in verse 1, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days. Now in Mark chapter 1, that was Mark 2, uh, verse 1. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus had actually been driven out of Capernaum. You see, he had been doing so many great works that the people were thronging him and the press was so great that it says he could no more openly enter into the city, that city Capernaum. So for a time, the Lord went out to desert places and the Bible tells us that the people would come out and meet with him. And he no doubt healed some and taught some as they came out to him. But at this time in chapter two, he returns back to Capernaum. And this becomes his sort of home base for his ministry. Initially, it was Nazareth, but as he left Nazareth, Capernaum became his home base. It was located on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, the northwest shore. And it was where Peter and Andrew's home was. It was the same place that the Lord called Matthew, the tax collector, to follow him. Many miracles were done here at Capernaum, some that we might recognize. He healed the centurion's son. He healed the nobleman's son. It was Peter's mother-in-law with a fever that the Lord healed. Jesus cast out an unclean spirit here at Capernaum, and he even healed the woman with the issue of blood here at this city. We even understand that he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead at Capernaum. And so he was back to the city again in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, and it says, and, he w- and it was noised, it was spread abroad, abroad that he was in the house. I like how he refers to it as the house. This was not some random house we don't believe that he was at. It was probably a a house that the Lord was accustomed to teaching at. In fact, many believe that this could have been Peter's house. But as we understand and know and believe that since the Lord that was there, it had become the house of the Lord. You know, the house of the Lord should be a very place, a very special place for you and me. The Bible uses this term house of the Lord 234 times. And of course, we know the tabernacle and the temple worship system is where the scripture initially refers to this phrase in Exodus 23, 19. It says the first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. We can see how David approached the house of the Lord. He approached it with carefulness and preparation. Second Samuel 12, 20, he says, Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. It was a big deal. He was going to approach God. It was a special place and he wanted to come and prepare himself reverently before the house of the Lord. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 10, and it says that it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. We know that was a special time where they had done that which the Lord commanded them to do. They had followed God's plan in a special way. The Spirit of God filled the house of the Lord. First Kings 11, excuse me, 8, 11, so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. What an experience that would have been. 
And we find in the Psalms really a prayer or a desire or a song or a yearning that the psalmist would have to spend time in God's house. He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. When we come into God's house and we spend time with him, we want to behold God's beauty, the beauty of the Lord. It says, and to inquire in his temple, it's his house. And we know the psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. But one that really stands out to me, I think if we want to see something special in God's house, the moving of God even thinking of upcoming prayer meetings, special times with the Lord, the prophet Joel wrote, Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. This sounds like an approach of repentance. This sounds like an approach of holiness unto the Lord. This sounds like an approach of heart searching, seeking the Lord. This is a solemn cry from our hearts unto the Lord that we want to see the Lord work in his house. And we do want to see the Lord work every time we gather in his house. It says in Mark, again, chapter 2, verse 2, and straightway, Many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. The Lord's house at this time, this place where Jesus was teaching, was packed all the way to the entrance. There was no doubt an anticipation, an excitement for what the Lord was going to say, an expectancy. So much that there was no room even to make an entrance. In verse 3 it says, And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Now this man, he was on, we might say a stretcher, his, his bed, it may have been a, a makeshift stretcher. He could not walk. And somehow we can envision that there were cords on the four corners of the bed, or perhaps ropes. We know that houses in those days, they were rectangular or they were square, and they would place beams probably evenly spaced where they would lay on the walls of the house from end to end. And in the other direction, there were sticks and branches and there were reeds. We would call it, I guess, a, a uh, thatchet that was woven together on top of those beams. And then on top of that, they would put mud and, and the mud would, would, would heat up in the heat of the day. They would roll it down. And so you would have the beams, the thatch, and then you would have the mud. And we know that housetops in those days were used like we might use a deck or a patio. There was probably a stairway or a ladder up to the roof. Higher-end houses had what would be like a tile where this baked mud would be. In fact, in Luke's account, he puts it this way. This is Luke chapter 5, verse 19. And, and when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. So we can see there, there, there was quite an effort to accessing the Lord. 
They, they could not make their way from the outside. They maybe could hear commotion inside. Maybe they could hear the Lord, but they wanted to bring this man right before the Lord himself. They had counted the cost. They had considered what would it take? What would it be? Would it be worth it to make that effort? And they no doubt knew that it might make a disturbance. You know, if we want something from God, we must count the cost. If we, if we want something from the Lord, we have to look into our hearts and consider, will we make the effort? Will I put, we could say, the knee work in to receive from the Lord? It takes an effort to come up and be anointed and prayed for, but it's what God would have us to do according to his word. It might ruffle some feathers along the way, but we want an experience from the Lord. We want to hear from God. We want more than just a gathering in the house of the Lord. We want a supernatural experience with the Lord. We want to see victories in Jesus. What type of effort do you and I need to make to get people to the house of the Lord? Who does the Lord lay on your heart and on my heart to invite them, to pick them up, to bring them to the house of the Lord? Look what his friends did. They made the effort. They counted the cost. We know people that need Jesus. We know people that need to be in these meetings. We want our families and our friends to be saved, our neighbors. Looking back into the account in Mark verse 5, it says, when Jesus saw their faith. And that really stuck out to me because usually we focus on individual faith. And, and that, no doubt, is where it starts. We need to have faith amongst ourselves, but look at their collective faith. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, faith of a group, when a group of believers can combine their faith together, I believe that's the kind of faith where there's unity involved and where God works in a special way and where the Spirit of God can move from one end of the altar to the other. I believe in this condition, God especially works. The kind of faith where maybe apologies have been made. The kind of faith where unity is expressly evident. It can be felt. The kind of faith where it is easy for the Spirit of God to move. For the power of God to fall. That's the kind of faith that we want to have collectively as a group. Where their faith can be referred to by the Lord. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven there. Forgiven thee, excuse me. Now, to everyone there, they probably didn't see that as that man's greatest need. They saw he could not walk. And so, to those there, as they saw this happening, of course, they disputed on whether or not sins could be forgiven, but they were probably confused why this man cannot walk. God gets to what is most important to you and me. He gets to the heart of the matter, we might say. The Lord knows what is best for us. And so when we come to the house of the Lord, we might come with a particular prayer or something that we might think we need. But I think God would have us to ask him, God, what can I give you? God, what do you think that I need? God, what would you have me to do? God, what would you have me to seek in the house of the Lord? Lord, I want what you want for me. Lord, I want what you believe that I need or know that I need. 
Salvation is always first and foremost. Forgiveness is always the most important. Jesus says here, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. The scribes, they kind of go into panic mode. No one can forgive sins but God, they said. Where they're right. But Jesus is God. In verse 10, it says, these are the words of Jesus, but that ye may know that the Son of Man. You know, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man more than any other title in the Gospels. He says, have power on earth to forgive sins. Daniel has this glorious vision in Daniel chapter chapter 7, excuse me, verse 13. He says, I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven. What a vision. And in verse 14, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. This is the one. This is who Jesus is referring to himself as the son of man. That's why he could say in our text, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thy house. Victory in Jesus. He forgave his sins. He healed his body. I believe the son of man wants to do a work for you in your life. I believe the son of man wants to do a work for me in my life. The son of man wants to forgive sins in his house tonight. And if you're not saved, that's the most important point is that the son of man keep came to seek and to save that which was lost. What can and will the Lord do tonight and in the weeks to come should he tarry? I think when there's faith as a group, we might call it overwhelming faith. The kind of faith and and holy boldness where God has to work because he always fulfills his word and he's true to his promises. If we have faith as a group, we can expect the Lord to work in his house. We can see victories in his house. In in, uh, verse 12, it says that immediately he arose, took up the bed and went forth before them all. Insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. We've talked about revivals where we say, oh, what it would have been to have been there. But we want revival where we say we've never seen it on this fashion before. We want our kids to see that kind of revival. We want the young people to see that kind of revival. We want the entire church to see that kind of revival. We want to have overwhelming group faith where God comes in a special way in his house. This is the house of the Lord tonight. If the Lord tarries, the tabernacle will be our meeting place of the house of the Lord. The Lord meets us at home wherever two or three are gathered. The Lord is in the midst of his people. Jesus was in this house and did a wonderful and marvelous work that they had never seen before and that's what we want to see that's what we want to experience and we believe the lord will do it we want to prepare our hearts we want to put the knee work in it's a special time when we can pray night after night as a group believing god receiving from the lord we believe victories will be run what kind of night do we want to have tonight we want to come faith believing god will do the work he will confirm his word with signs and wonders god bless each and every one of you the song is 634.